The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. How does 25-year-old two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo get drafted 15th overall in a weak draft class? Our own Adrian Wojnarowski investigates the twists and turns that led to a franchise and league-altering selection way back in 2013. A three-part series that tells this unique story, including interviews with individuals close to the process, as well as a one-on-one sit-down with Giannis himself. Check out the Woj Pod special, The Giannis Draft, wherever you find your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Thursday morning on the East Coast where... Let's see, we're through trade season. One trade has already fallen through under unprecedented crazy circumstances. The draft is done. Free agency starts in 30 hours. Woo! I got a lot of coffee in the house. I got a lot of coffee in the system. Let's recap the draft for the second year in a row with our draft expert, Jonathan Gavoni, and our salary cap NBA insider, Bobby Marks. Good morning. Is everybody high on life? I love life. There's nothing better. Let's go. Free agency right around the corner. Literally right around the corner. Just right there. Gavoni, how are you? Do you feel a sense of emptiness in your soul the day after the draft? Do you feel like, do you wander around wondering what the next couple of days are going to be like? Are you already on to 2024? I'm so relieved, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I was like really nervous about how this is going to turn out. Somehow we ended up with like the best mock draft, the most accurate mock draft I've ever done, which is shocking. You know, I thought it was going to be a total disaster. And I'm just really excited not to have to talk about LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, or Anthony Edwards anymore. Uh, did you have a drink at the Hilton Doubletree last night at two in the morning to celebrate your accurate mock draft? The Hilton Doubletree bar is the hottest spot within a 40 mile radius, probably. In everything closes at it ten closes now. At so no. Oh, that's down. right. The plague. I, I don't leave. I don't leave my horse. <laughs> so I forgot that the plague is still here. Um, well, we have to start. I did see. I did see Gavoni and Schmitz try to break into the bar last night at like two a.m. Was that was that you or is that somebody uh, else? We, I was fiending for a drink. <laughs> Thankfully, Nick Tut came through. He had two beers in his fridge. We split them between the three of us. And I mean, that, I, I got a couple of sips in and then I like passed out immediately. I was so tired. <laughs> I have a lot of follow up questions that I'm going to keep to myself and move on with this podcast. We have to start at the top. Uh, the very biggest story of the day, the two biggest stories that today really were not about um, the draft directly at all. And the biggest one is Clay uh, Thompson's injury. We're recording this at 1045 in the morning. We don't know if he's even gotten an MRI yet. We don't know what the specifics will be. We know there are fears that he has torn the Achilles in his right leg. I am I am praying that all the basketball the basketball gods should take care of Clay Thompson. He's a delight. He's an absolute baller. He's tough as <laughs> he has made so many big shots. And there's there are fewer moments cooler in the NBA than when Clay Thompson in a big playoff game shoots a three on the road. The crowd is petrified you can hear this there's a squeal there's a squeal like a ter- like a terrified animal that senses its death you can hear it from the crowd that clay steph squeal and he knows it and he's already turning back up court and then it goes in and clay who's normally kind of even keeled gets the mean mug and the tough face and looks at the crowd and like my fit what like there's just I, everybody loves clay he doesn't he doesn't care about his numbers he just wants to win he plays defense 
Um, doesn't care about his role. Doesn't care if he's the fourth option. Didn't care when they got KD. Just does his job every day and is completely fearless. And, you know, even the little things like the Warriors have tried to teach him to draw fouls, draw bogus fouls, you know, pump fake and jump sideways into people and all that. And he's like, no, man, that's not basketball. Like, I don't want to do that. And the Warriors coach is like, you get like eight free throws a game. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. Everybody loves Clay. If this is a devastating, I just don't know what else to say. It changes the entire landscape of the NBA. It wipes away a championship contender. Um, and it and it may permanently wipe away a championship contender because an ACL and an Achilles is a lot. But again, we don't know. I'm I'm knocking on wood. I'm crossing my fingers and toes. And there's not much complicated analysis to this. He's under contract through 2024. The Warriors need him to contend. He's a beloved NBA player. And if this is what it turns out to be, it absolutely sucks. Um, it did not really appear, and I'll start with you, Gavoni, it did not really appear to affect the top of the draft. Did you at the last minute think that the Warriors might pivot away from James Wiseman and do something else to, to compensate for whatever's going on with Clay? I really thought there's a chance that they're going to go with LaMelo because we kept hearing all along that LaMelo and Wiseman, it was close for them. You know, there was definitely a contingent of their group that thought LaMelo Ball is going to be the best player in five years. Are we selling ourselves short here by taking a guy in James Wiseman who maybe we can go get a center in free agency to plug that hole, but I guess now you can't plug that hole in free agency with a center because you need to go get a wing. And so maybe that actually strengthened Wiseman's case, you know, they because they have the, ex, the trade exception, uh, you know, $16, 17000000 million. And so they have some tools now to go and get better. But, you know, I, I yeah, it could, it could have gone either way, I thought. I was really thinking, do we make the move? I was texting you 10 minutes before the, the pick, you know, what are you hearing? And so, um, yeah, it ended up being Wiseman. And um, and I said you know, Edwards yeah. Wiseman. I was consistent all week long. It's going to be Edwards Wiseman. You nailed Wiseman. it, Zach. You know, you, you should be the one doing the mock. Honestly. No, I should not because after t- <laughs> after pick 12, I'm like just learning names at that point. Just learning pronunciations, <laughs> just learning names, positions, the whole deal. Um, Bobby, real quickly, take us through the Warriors cap, cap and tax situation now. Um, how the trade exception is $17 million. What what is that going to be in real dollars given their luxury tax situation and and what do you think the likelihood that they use all of it some of it take us through that I think they'll use some of it it expires on November twenty um, third which is um, Monday um, so there's a timing issue now right to that uh, if you use the whole amount their luxury tax bill goes from sixty eight to one hundred and fifty million so it's basically a, a ninety million dollar clip by adding a $17 million player. You're not going to be able to acquire a player in a sign-in trade, um, a free agent there because of the hard cap. So you're restricted there. Um, you do have your own first in um, 21 and 22. Uh, I would certainly not put the Minnesota pick out there at all. That's a, certainly a valuable trade ship as far as if you need to go out and get a player. And you've got, I think you've got, they've got five uh, seconds, future seconds from other teams um, to add there. Um, and they've got the $5.7 million, um, tax mid level, but like, this is not a good free agent class of guards. Like this is not a good, you know, shooting guard, you know, Joe Harris is going to be off the board. Uh, Bogdan is, um, he's a restricted free agent. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Um, so you're looking at trying to go get guys like Alec Burks if in free agency, Justin Holiday, um, you know, uh, players. That's that's your market of of guys, and you're going to be competing against a lot of other teams. So it's basically how do we flush out the the trade market um, to find a you know find a backup to um, to Clay. I do think they'll spend some or all of it, um, and and we'll just have to see. I mean, it just there's just no overstating the severity, the 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 ripple effects of any major injury to Clay Thompson. There's just it it wipes a championship contender away. I mean, just prematurely before we even get to see him play, we haven't even seen him play since June 2019, um, which is just sucks, and um, it just really sucks. Um, let's let's pivot to Charlotte because uh, I absolutely loved what Charlotte did and how they handled, handled their business. Um, there were all these rumblings and I, and I think they were fair that, you know, is Charlotte going to trade up to get James Wiseman? Charlotte has a hole at center, hole at center, hole at center. And they handled their business perfectly. They had talks with Minnesota about trading up. Minnesota wanted a ton, like core young player, a couple of picks, whatever it was. And Charlotte was like, you know what? We're not going to just give up everything to fill a positional need, particularly if it looks like LaMelo Ball is going to fall to us. And I'm just so excited for Hornets fans because they've just been in this purgatory of irrelevance for so long, and they're relevant again. Now, maybe maybe LaMelo busts out, but they've just been aching for someone who could be the guy, someone who could galvanize their team, someone who could give it an identity. And they've gotten a shot at one, and they didn't give up anything. They didn't panic and overpay to move up to number one to get James Wiseman. Um, and I think that I think that was smart. Um, I, on the flip side, I I I always was curious if Minnesota, um, you know, at the end would just say, okay, we'll lower our price. Just give us Miles Bridges. We'll flip picks. Like we'll get something. And I think Minnesota was so hot for Anthony Edwards that they were like, we're a little bit scared if we trade down to three. Maybe Golden State pivots and takes Anthony Edwards. So I think both teams played this right. But I'm especially excited. For Charlotte, Givoni, you've been high on LaMelo this whole time. When did it become clear to you that this was going to be Charlotte's path? How do you think he fits with uh, with their with their team? And I really, how do you think he fits with their team? Everyone's like, well, they have these two guards, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, whatever. Like, those guys are fine. Charlotte can't be making any decisions because they have Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham on their team. They just have to pick a guy who they think is the best guy. I mean, I said it on the last podcast, you know, all this talk about LaMelo ball, free falling, bad workouts, bad interviews. It was all nonsense. He was always going to be a top three pick. Charlotte decided very early on, this is a three player draft and we're sitting at three. We're going to take whichever guy from the three is there. They informed other guys, you know, who were in consideration. Sorry, but we're going to move in a different direction. I mean, that's the kind of classy guy that Mitch Kupchak is. He's not going to leave you hanging in the wind, you know, until, you know, and sweating until the very last second. He's going to say, this is what I'm going to end up doing, you know, which is very different than how a lot of the NBA these days operates for better or worse. So, yeah, I mean, he was he was always going in the top three. You know, I think um, he preferred to go to Charlotte over Minnesota. I mean, that's a fact. I think he would have, you know, slightly, uh, you know, would have rather be in Golden State right now. Um, but he's very, very happy to end up in Charlotte. He's going to have the keys to the franchise right away. They're going to be globally relevant. Um, you know, they're going to be on TV nationally, I would think, you know, fairly often. And it's going to be fun. You know, like there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be some 
turnovers and bad shots and blown defensive assignments. But there's going to be a lot of magic, too, because this kid is special. I mean, he has it. And and it really, I mean, what NBA GMs were telling me through the whole process is you don't find talent like LaMelo Ball. And all the, you know, nonsense about his dad and all that, you know, and he needs to work on his body and he needs to get, you know, more consistent with the shooter. That's on us. That's not on him. We, you, our job is to find talent and develop it, put these guys in the right situation, surround them with the right players, and develop them. And, and that's what Charlotte is going to do with LaMelo Ball right now. I do think the interview concerns were real. Like, I had a bunch of teams tell me, I, I just, something He's not about, a great interview, Zach. If yeah. you ever talk to him, he doesn't give you much. He's like a one- or two-word answer guy. He's incredibly relaxed. I mean, he's this happy-go-lucky guy. He doesn't have a care in the world. And, yeah, he you don't get a lot out of him in an interview, you know? I mean, and so if that's a reason to... To, for him to free fall at a 10, then I guess good luck with that, you know? Well, and I don't want to overstate the Charlotte excitement, right? Like, they've missed on a lot of picks, okay? They turned Kemba Walker into Terry Rozier, who's fine. Terry Rozier actually had an underrated season for them. He's becoming one of those guys who people know as Terry Rozier's contract instead of Terry Rozier, like, decent basketball player. Um, but, you know, like, Miles Bridges is a nice pick. PJ Washington is a nice pick. They're just they're they're just going to be good players. I don't want to like get too excited. Like they I don't think either of those guys is going to become a superstar, but they both look like guys particularly Washington who can play on a good team in 2 or 3 or 4 years, maybe even now be a, some role player on a good team. LaMelo is the piece that's like you just wanted him to swing for the fences, to swing. Not that this is a swing for the fences, but it's their chance at something some unifying force. And I just think they were smart to play it the way they did. Um, on the on the other end of it, um, Minnesota keeps the number one pick. They take Anthony Edwards. Um, and then they trade number 17 and James Johnson for number 25, number 28, and Ricky Rubio coming home to Minnesota. So um, there was all of this, you know, I don't know LaMelo's game, game very well, but there was all this stuff about how, well, they have D'Angelo Russell, like LaMelo's not a good fit there. Blah, blah, blah. So they take Anthony Edwards. He fits with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Then they trade a lot of stuff for a point guard with a shaky jumper who earns $18 million in the next couple of years. So if LaMelo Ball is a bad fit there because D'Angelo Russell is the lead ball handler, why is Ricky Rubio a good fit there? I actually, I this is not me criticizing the deals. I, I kind of see the rationale. Did that surprise you, Bobby, that they went for Rubio or like, like what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, it, it surprised me they went for Rubio. I mean, I knew that James Johnson contract was going to be flipped eventually, right? Of either at the draft or down the road. But I, I thought maybe more of a positional a position of need, you know. Um, you know, and as you said, you know, you get a guy that's got two years left that is on, on pretty good numbers. So that that takes him out of free agency next off season. We, we'll see what happens with Malik Beasley and. Um, Juan Heron and Gomez, um, who are both restricted. I said last night the guy who had the worst night was Malik Beasley, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you had Anthony because he Edwards doesn't have drafted. he doesn't have Minnesota over a barrel yeah. anymore. Yeah, I mean, you got Anthony Edwards drafted, and then you had your some off court um, issues, you know, during um, you know the last couple weeks here. But yeah, that 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 did surprise me um, with um, you know with Rubio going there, just that Minnesota was willing to take on that extra year. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I actually kind of, it makes sense to me. Like, I actually like D'Angelo Russell in a hybrid role. I don't want D'Angelo Russell running 50, 60 pick and rolls a game. I like him moving around off the ball, coming off ha- screens and taking handoffs, floating around. I like the idea of a another ball handler with him. Ricky Rubio makes starter money. You get Ricky Rubio, you don't pay $18 million for a backup point guard. Ricky Rubio makes starter money, so it's going to be interesting how they use him. But I like the fit of D'Lo playing a little bit more off the ball. I know Carl Anthony Towns absolutely loves playing with Ricky. They want to play fast. Ricky will play fast. And he's just, for all his faults and, you know, everyone focuses on the jumper and justifiably so, I think it puts a ceiling on how far you can get with Ricky Rubio playing 35 minutes a game. His teams are usually better when he's on the floor. He's a leader. Uh, He's a mentor to some of these young guys. Um, I do think they'll still probably bring back Malik Beasley just because they traded that pick to get him in Wancho. So I think they'll bring him back. But Givoni, like, like were you, what, what is the, like, did you, did you like the, you like the fit of LaMelo there? Fine. Right. For the same reason that Rubio will be a decent fit there. Yeah. I don't really think it was, it was about the fit as much as keeping Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell happy. And that's what, you know, that's what you kept hearing that D'Angelo didn't want Lonzo with the Lakers and he definitely did not want LaMelo with the, with, with the Timberwolves. And so I don't know how much that played into Minnesota's thinking, but I'm sure he's a very happy man right now, you know? And so um, did that could have ended up being what, what put them, what put Edwards over the top there. And I don't mind the, the Edwards Rubio double because it, it's a way to thread the needle to me. The Edwards pick is the upside pick. The Edwards pick is we're picking the guy who broke all the databases at P3 with his athleticism, and he plays the wing. We know all the questions about the IQ and the defense. We've heard the Dion Waiters 2.0. We've heard the Andrew Wiggins 2.0, which causes everybody within a 500-mile radius of Minneapolis to get the shakes. We've heard it all. We're taking the upside swing, and at the same time, we're making a very safe win-now play with Rubio because we do owe that pick. Yeah, to Golden State. We have to at least be decent next year. We can't be bad again because Carl's going to be angry about it. I think it's a decent enough way um, to thread the needle. I It still surprised me a little bit, but I, I don't I don't mind it. And uh, the Edwards pick, I mean, I don't know enough about the guy's game, but I certainly get why, why they did it. Um, and you had a mock number one at the end, right? Yeah. We had the top four or, yeah. Okoro was the first surprise at five. At five to Cleveland. Um, yeah, the, the Pat Williams thing. Have you ever had a guy rise like this? What's the what, who like? What's the comp for just someone who went like phew up the draft boards in the last month? Well, how about before John? How about a guy that rises um, in like in a pandemic without any like like in like draft workouts? Like going to visit like you know all these places they had to come to you. I mean, that's like kind of the rare rare thing there. It's it's very interesting. I mean, is he Gavoni? Does he? I, I know the big debate about him is is he a three or a four? Is he both? Obviously, that debate has special meaning for a team that has invested heavily in a four and a five in Lowry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Can he swing? Is he just a four? Can he play some three? What's what's your what's your forecast? I think early in his career, he's definitely a four. You know, people point to the defensive versatility um, as, as one of his greatest traits, you know, but he had some bad moments at Florida state trying to guard the perimeter. You know, he's not the quickest 
guy laterally. And so, and he's not the most focused or in naturally intense guy either. And so I do think, you know, especially with his handle and, you know, his, his passing, his, his feel, which is still evolving his shot, I think the four is going to be his natural position early on in his career. Um, but, you know, it sounds like Chicago is all in on offense here, you know, like compared to the last regime. And so I could see Lowry, you know, seeing some minutes at the five. And they've played, they've played him there. Up. They've played him yeah. there before. It hasn't yeah, worked. Going it hasn't... crazy up tempo and, you know, and, and, and just trying to score as many points as possible. They still need a lead ball handler. Maybe they don't think they do because they're so high on Kobe White. Kobe White is still a shoot. He averaged like five assists a game down the stretch of the season. I think Kobe White had a legit nice last 30 games, proving maybe I'm not. he's not just a chucker. Like he can hit off the triple threes. But I don't, I'm not sold on him as, okay, you settle the offense and get us into stuff. Or Levine, I think, has proven to not be capable of that. He's okay as a secondary ball handler. Uh, Sadoransky just hasn't found his footing in Chicago. So to me, and of course they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't qualify Chris Dunn or Shaq Harrison. You don't, don't fill that role anyway. I actually think we go overboard sort of fetishizing these NBA Twitter darling guys who, you know, play bit roles on bad teams. Like, I have hope for both of them. I love watching Shaq Harrison play, but, like, I'm not up in arms that Arturis, Arturis didn't, you know, give him a qualifying. I was Shaq Harrison. Um, but they're a team that, like, I'm looking at the point guard market. I'm looking at New Orleans, who now has, I think, five nominal point guards on their roster. Um, and wondering if there's kind of a deal, if there's kind of a deal to be made there. Um, how how surprised were you that the Hawks took a Kongwu at six? Not surprised at all. I mean, that's you know that's where we had him in our in our mock, like for like the week or two prior, and you know, I mean, all these ugly smoke screens about him falling, you know, how his foot was messed up. That was disgusting in my opinion. And the Aaron Neesmith thing too. I mean, like, good Lord. And so, um, I think Okongwu is a great fit, you know, for Atlanta, you know, like they're just a bad defensive team. And so you draft the most versatile defender, you know, in, in the draft. I mean, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And, um, you know, he can play with Collins. He can play with Capella. You know, so there's there, there's a lot there. Now, Bobby, this was also interesting to me because the Hawks have been linked pretty heavily with Danilo Gallinari and free agency. Yeah. It's hard to know exactly what's real with the Hawks because they're the cap room bonanza team. Every agent is linking their player to the Hawks as leverage. So the Hawks have been linked to, if you believe reports, the Hawks are spending about $400 million in free agency this summer when they don't have $400 million in cap room. Um, but let's just say the Gallinari thing is real because uh, to me, that's one of the realer ones. Like, I think that actually has had some legit traction. They just drafted a Kongwu. They traded for Clint Capella. It doesn't take a genius to wonder what's, what's happening with John Collins. Like that's a guy that we should be keeping our eye on. Right. Yeah. And we'll know, I think we'll have a good idea. I mean, his extension deadline is December 21st. Um, so there's the kind of a, we're on a a one month clock here. Um, they also got Dwayne Dedman too, right? Um, another big. Um, so what is the? I mean, I think John. If you put John Collins out there, Zach, I think he would have certainly value, high value, you know, around um, around the league here. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get a max contract. I think you. What happens is, usually, what happens is, is that it's one way or another. Either you're a max guy, like 
Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum will be probably be off the board come November 20th, those type of guys. There, or there's a reason the Bam out of bio, you want to preserve cap space, or you want to get a team-friendly deal. And I think with Collins, you would probably want to try to get a team-friendly deal. And I think if you're his, you're his camp, you're going to hold off to restricted free agency next uh, offseason. And that just kind of lingers on what his fate is going to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a really interesting player to me because, you know, it's tempting to pigeonhole him now as sort of needs to play the five on offense, can't play the five on defense. That's just what he is. And I get that. Uh, and his defense, I mean, he came on my podcast last year in Vegas and he was like, yeah, I, I just haven't been as focused as I need to be on defense. I thought he got a little bit better this season, even though that feels like six months ago now or 10 months ago or two years ago, whatever months ago it is. It's like hard to remember him on defense, but I do think he made some strides, particularly around the rim. Still has a long way to go, but man, he can do some special stuff on offense. He's become a good three-point shooter, even decent above the break. He can take guys off the dribble. I, that would be an interesting – I mean, you could fit him in a lot of different places, but I'm, I'm not ready to sort of just write him off as all offense, no defense, has to play the five, um, even though, you know, I mean, that's sort of like a very different kind of player, but that's sort of what Julius Randle has become, uh, you know, that, that sort of similar archetype, a different, different, much different player. But that's a guy that I'm keeping, I'm keeping my eye on. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. I went Let's turn to uh, two of the biggest trades of the night. There were not a lot of big trades, but I thought Philly um, had a really interesting draft, um, starting with trading Al Horford to the Thunder, uh, along with a 2025 first-round pick and number 34, I think, last night for Danny Green, and then Josh Richardson and number 36 to Dallas for Seth Curry. They are clearly just going all in on shooting. And what's really interesting to me is like those moves – suggest on one hand 
that the new Daryl Moyer regime is trying to make it work around Simmons and Embiid. That everything they've said about we're not in a rush to trade one of the big two, we're going to give it a go, James Harden be damned, whatever it is, that all of that is legitimate. And yet, you want to read it that way, but yet, if you had James Harden and Ben Simmons place, you would still want to maximize shooting around James Harden and Joel Embiid. So I'm not sure uh, either way you know, read it, how to read it. But um, Bobby's having some technical difficulties. He said Horford, uh, Detroit tried to sneak in to the Horford thing. Um, Gavoni, tell us about who Philly took at number 21, Maxi. It's interesting because after Tyler Hero had that great playoff series with Miami, everybody said, well, that this is going to really help Tyrese Maxi's draft stock. You know, I mean, he's just another in a long line of Kentucky guards who, you know, wasn't utilized to its full potential. And, you know, he started the year in our top 10. And for him to drop all the way to 21 has to be a little bit disappointing for him. But um, not a great fit, honestly, with their roster because he shot like 29% for three last year. Uh, but he did appear to make some strides with his shot during the pre-draft process. We know how that can go sometimes. I mean, is it real or not? But really tough, um, physical, strong guard, um, you know, good in pick and roll. Um, you know, pretty versatile defensively, you know, was like a top five, seven high school recruit. I mean, there's a lot of upside there to work with long term. If he can, you know, become a 35, 36 percent three point shooter, he's going to be a big time steal for, for Philly at 21. Yeah. And I liked the Horford trade overall. I think that was fair value to get off of Al's contract. Uh, and they got a very useful player in Danny Green. I mean, Danny Green's a good player still. I think I think he's he's in decline, but I think he can help them next year. Um, and his contract is expiring. Uh, the first hurts. 2025 first, that's, that hurts, but that's the price of doing business. And again, you get an asset back. Terrence Ferguson, we'll see if he contributes anything to their team. Um, and now they have a potential starting lineup of Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and, uh, and, and uh, Danny Green. And so that sort of mimics the old the most beloved lineup in Philadelphia 76ers process history, the Sarich, Covington, Redick around the two stars lineup. I guess that sort of mimics that. I mean, Seth Curry is Seth Curry's not just a good shooter. Seth Curry is an all-world, all-time great shooter. And he moves around. He's not quite Redick-y the way he moved like that two-man game with Embiid. I think will take some time for him to sort of master the steps of that. But he's a really good shooter. I also think he's a peskier defender than people give him credit for. He competes. I mean, he's not big. He's going to get picked on a little bit because of his size, but he competes. He's got good feet. He's quick, and he has a real knack for the ball. He's smart about reading passing lanes. He baits people into throwing passes, and then he steals them. I think he's a little underrated defensively, not quite the liability that people make him out to be. Beyond that, Philly's a little thin. Okay, then you get into the Matisse Teibel, Zaire Smith, some rookies, Korkmaz is in there, Mike Scott is still hanging around, but they were a little thin before. I think given the price, those are decent trades for them. Now, Givoni, they did give up. I mean, the price for Seth Curry was high. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. Like Josh Richardson is still a good NBA player. He did not fit well in Philly. He looked kind of just laggard all season. Like he looked slower. He looked constricted. He didn't take enough threes. His defense remained at aver- remained as advertised. 36 is an important pick. That's a good pick. Those high 30s picks are good. But Josh Richardson's on his expiring contract, and Seth Curry has three years left on a great contract, paying about $8 million a pop. So, again, that's the price of doing business. Um, 
Givoni, I heard Dallas was up to a lot last night trying to offer 18, 31, and something else. I'm not sure if it was a player or a pick to everyone from like 7 to 10 to 11. And I'm pretty sure the target was Halliburton. They were hot on Halliburton and they were offering all these picks to try to move up and get Halliburton. Um, they didn't get him. But this is a team to me to watch. And 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 they also made some picks last night. Tyrell Terry fell to them at 31, right? Is that the home run everyone is making it out to be? I don't think so. I think there, there were better guards drafted behind him. You know, I like Nico Mannion. I like Cassius Winston. But, um, yeah, you Dallas was super active all week long. They were – apparently they finished second in the Robert Covington sweepstakes. You know, I think that Portland 2021 first-rounder ended up putting them over the top with that deal. Heard the same. And then Halliburton, they were 100% trying to get him. You know, starting at eight, they offered, a you know – like you said, a, a boatload of stuff and, and future picks even to try and go get him. You know, people are like, how did Halliburton fall so far? You know, how did Avdia fall so far? A lot of this was by design, you know, like the consistent theme that I kept hearing in the pre-draft process from agents was, I hate the teams that are drafting in the top 10. I don't want my guys with any of those franchises. And so, they were very selective with who got medicals and they were openly telling teams, don't take my guy, please. You know, so I think that is a big reason why Halliburton ended up going 12. He, uh, you know, he could have gone six, I think, you know, like had he um, wanted to, but he, you know, was open to, you know, let me sacrifice seven, eight million dollars because I think it's going to end up working out for me in the long term in Sacramento. And, Jack, how many times can you say uh, <laughs> a player wants to go to Sacramento? It's incredible. I knew exactly where you were going when you said how many times. I just I knew it. it was, but, like, it's a great pick for them. I mean, Pelton had him rated, like, the number two prospect in the entire draft. He probably fits net well next to De'Aaron Fox. Um, I really I really like that that pick for them. Yeah, the, so the draft got a little crazy starting at five. And, and you know, Denny Avdia slips all the way to Washington. I, I've watched some film of his game. He seems interesting. Some people in the league tell me they think he's going to be a bust. You were pretty high on him, right? Like, you, you think Washington should be excited about getting him at nine? Very high. I think they should be thrilled to get him. Um, you know, he's going to come in and play big minutes for them right away. He needs the green light to be able to develop his playmaking ability. You know, he, he's a big guard. Um, he can really pass. And if he can you know, just become a little bit more dynamic with his handle and with his pull-up jumper, he's going to be, you know, one of the top three or four players in this draft class. So uh, I think um, he's thrilled to go nine. That was a place that, you know, he had targeted very early on in the process. And so um, I, I love the draft that Washington had, getting Cassius Winston at 53. I mean, I had him at like 25 on my board. They're, um, you know, they're very excited about Cassius too. He's going to end up, you know, he's going to be their backup point guard next year. So great draft for the Wizards. Let's, that's, that's nice to hear for the Wizards. That's nice to hear. Um, let's talk about Detroit because I don't know if any team was as, as active as Detroit. And Bobby Marks just mentioned that they were in talks to absorb Al Horford. They ended up absorbing Trevor Ariza uh, in order to acquire the 16th pick in exchange for a protected future first that is so damn protected a, they might not be able to trade a first for a while because it's protected for so many years. And B, it's unclear what Houston really got uh, in exchange for 
for uh, that number 16 pick. Um, and then I think in my favorite trade of the night, Brooklyn, the Clippers, and the Pistons exchanged some stuff. And so Brooklyn sent the number 19 pick to Detroit. Detroit sent Luke Kennard to the Clippers, and the Clippers sent Landry Shamit to Brooklyn. And there may be some second-round picks involved going, going around here as well. That's a really, really interesting trade to me. Detroit, obviously, they tried to trade Kennard at the deadline last year. I think for a pick they hoped would be higher than this. They didn't get any takers. They just don't want to pay him. He's he's eligible for an extension now. They don't want to pay him, so they got the 19th pick. They took a guy we can talk about later. Um, and then what's really interesting to me is Brooklyn clearly just all you have to do is read this trade. They had their they could have just traded 19 for Kennard. They didn't want Luke Kennard. They looked around the league and said, who do we want better? Who's, who do we like better that fits? And they're like, you know what? Landry Shamit. They effectively chose Landry Shamit over Luke Kennard, and the Clippers effectively chose Luke Kennard over Landry Shamit. It's kind of a challenge trade indirectly between the Clippers and the Nets. I think it's really, really interesting. Any angle you want, start on that trade, Gaboni. What strikes you as interesting? I was confused with the draft that Detroit had, you know, to be honest with you. I I mean, we talked about Killian Hayes in our last podcast. I mean, how wide of a range he had you know we talked about how chicago liked them at four detroit liked them at seven and then it wasn't clear if he really had a home after that until possibly 15 with orlando so for detroit to pass on halliburton take killian hayes at seven you know i think i mean killian hayes needs the ball um he He's the guy who feels most comfortable, you know, being the the center of the show. And so that's good for him in that regard. I think things are going to get a little bit ugly next year in terms of efficiency, shooting percentage, all that. Just Which is all normal. That's, that's normal course, for young, every young point exactly. guards. Then, you know, taking Isaiah Stewart at 16 over Precious Achua, I thought I was a little bit confused by that. I really like the Sadiq Bey move, getting him Pe- at 19. Pe- people, like, people like that kid. Yeah, he. I mean, he could have easily gone in the lottery. So that's a good. That's a good move. Um, Saban Lee at thirty-eight on a two-way. You know, confuses me a little bit. You know, I mean, if you like him so much, I mean, don't you just make him the backup point guard? You're not going to win anyway next year. You know, but I guess he'll play a lot. You know, even on a two-way. I mean, they eliminated the restrictions. You know, most people didn't have Saban Lee getting drafted. So thirty-eight. That was that was a minor surprise. You know, but. Um, yeah, sorry, I went totally off track there. It wasn't what you were asking me at all about. No, that's you know, okay because I don't know these players. It helps me to learn some more about these players. I th- I know the NBA guys, and so to me, the Shamit Kennard thing was really interesting. Kennard is like the sexier player. Like he can run some pick and roll. He had one monster playoff series when Detroit got destroyed by the Bucks in four straight games. But like he's got some feel. He's a lefty. Everybody likes lefties. If you're a lefty, every you're like ten percent more popular in life just by virtue. Are you a lefty, Gavoni? I'm not a lefty now. I'm not a lefty either. My sister's a lefty. Didn't really help Gillian, her. Killian Hayes is a lefty. That's right. Didn't really help her popularity though, my sister. Uh, but people like lefties. Um, and, you know, like he has more juices. Like you can give him the ball and he can create stuff. He's a decent passer. Shamit can do a little like Duncan robinson secondary ball handling, like one dribble move and all that one dribble pass to the roller. He's um, a better fit with, with, with KD and Kyrie and potentially Harden. So, I mean, uh, it, it makes perfect sense for them. Um, you know, and then they got they got Reggie Perry at, at, at 57. And that's that's a, that's a good pick. You know, people were a little bit scared about him 
attitude wise, you know, he played a little bit selfishly at Mississippi State. And, you know, he's a little bit of a rough dude, you know, like, but he, uh, that guy can play, you know, like he's, he's athletic. He's got scoring instincts. Um, he was a, I mean, he was a big time player in the SEC as a sophomore. And, uh, you know, I think if there weren't the concerns about, you know, what kind of dude is he, like he goes in the 20s. So for them to get him at the end of the second round, he could end up, you know, being a sneaky guy that, you know, plays some kind of, especially if they have to gut their roster, you're going to need guys who can play. And so he can give you 10, 15 minutes. You nailed it regarding Shamit. I think that's just a fit play for Brooklyn. Doesn't need the ball. Killer shooter. Will draw a lot of attention roving around. Can set screens because of his, his, his uh, on-ball screens because of his gravity as a shooter and the way defenses have to pay attention. I think that's just a fit play. Obviously, he's, he's one year behind Kennard on the calendar toward getting paid. I think that's important for Brooklyn. And I, I'm really interested to see what the Clippers think they have in, in Kennard, whether he's sort of their sixth, seventh guy, come off the bench, handle it a little bit more, how it affects Lou Williams in that role. Well, is he healthy? Um, is this trade going to go through? You know, like that's the first thing we got to ask. So I've heard that he feels good and he's healthy. Now, for what that's worth, who knows? We'll see if the trade, if, if, if I assume, I'm assuming the trade will go through. Um, and I'm interested to see what the Clippers think they have in him because it's clearly a little bit of a, a talent play in terms of he's just has maybe a little bit more traditional upside than Shamit and and let's take because they love Shamit. I mean the Clippers love Shamit. They they drool all over themselves talking about how good lucky they are to have pried Shamit away from Philadelphia in the Tobias Harris trade. He was one of the major pieces that they wanted. They got him. They loved him. He p- competed in that Golden State series that they lost four games to two in the first round a couple seasons ago, like better than they thought he would. I think defensively, um, for him to give for them to give him up. For a player who's a year early, a year a year sooner to get paid, they must love Luke Kennard, and I am just really fascinated to see sort of where they go with it. But you know, they're they they have a lot of interesting decisions to make this summer. But I thought that was a very very interesting and telling trade. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus. Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Who else should we hit? Who else had an interesting night? Who did you love that we haven't hit? Who? What's a team that you? I mean, Phoenix again did the thing that Phoenix does, which is like they reached right for this Jalen Smith kid. Yeah, they locked in on him early, and you know they were told Halliburton's coming your way. You know, get ready, and they said, Nah, we're good. You know, we already have our guy, and so um, I 
you know, I think um, I don't think that was a great move. I think Halliburton's going to end up being a much more versatile and, and valuable player. I mean, you can find a stretch four. Is Jalen Smith even a stretch four? Like, can he actually guard power forwards? I mean, they call him sticks. He's very upright. He's very narrow. Um, he really struggles to to move laterally on the perimeter. He can he can block shots. He plays hard. He was an awesome interview. He shot it great in all his workouts, and so he really moved up quickly up the board. But I just think you know that um, I think there was more value there. You know, with, with, with Halliburton and maybe even Vassell. You know, there at at eleven, who the Spurs got. Um, other other drafts that I like: um, Miami getting Precious Achua at at. Um, and boy, has Miami earned the benefit of the doubt drafting in the late lottery or in the just past the late lottery. Like, does, did they've earned the? And and by the way, James Jones earns is like earns a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because everyone laughed at Cam Johnson pick last year, and Cam Johnson's a good player. But Miami, the minute they make a pick, they hit it, got him at twenty. So just after the lottery, I'm like, you know what? They I had him twelfth on my board, and this guy is a freak athlete. He's He's one of the best defenders in the draft. Um, he plays incredibly hard. He was just a freshman. He was the only freshman in college basketball to be freshman of the year and player of the year in his conference. And, you know, I know we're, you know, you don't want to go off workout videos too much, but his stroke looked good. You know, like I talked to a, um, a team that was drafting right behind Miami. And when we put out that workout video, they're like, holy crap, this guy looks like the number one pick in the draft. You know, like he might end up going in the top 10 off that one video alone. But no, it's not teams don't draft our workout videos and they shouldn't. But um, I, I really like Precious Chua. And, you know, I think he's got major upside. Um, he'll, you know, he needs to figure out, you know, what his position is. He's probably going to play behind Bam. You know, can they play together? Probably not in the near term. But, you know, as his shooting evolves, hopefully, yes. And so. I love the value there for them. And I think and, you liked um, you liked Denver, right? Like Denver taking uh, Zeke at 22 and then RJ Hampton at 24, trading a future lottery protected first to get into 24. I mean, that's a talent play, right? And like that Tim, Tim Connolly has done a great job being like, we're set. We're a really good team. We can be patient with, you know, from Michael Porter to Bull Bull to RJ Hampton. I think like, and I, I think those are worthy, worthy moves. And Zeke Najee, is that how I say his last name? Yes. Um, you know, people are reading into what is drafting a big mean for Denver's offseason plans. I'm not sure I would read into it that much. I don't, I don't, a good team, a team as good as Denver, I don't think necessarily drafts a rookie at 22 being like he's playing 20 minutes a game in the playoffs. I, I think I still think they're going to pay Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant will come back. That's this is just my prediction. This is not I'm not reporting. It. It's my prediction. I think Millsap will be interesting. Millsap, I think, is going to have a little more interest in free agency based on teams I've talked to. Than I expected, given how creaky he looked at the start of the bubble. Now he perked up in the Clippers series, and and you know somewhat in the Lakers series, but in the Jazz series he looked awful. But uh, I think he's going to draw some interest. So I, I'm like seventy thirty. He's not on the Nuggets next year. Maybe sixty forty. Plumley, you know, we'll see what his market is. I he just is coming off a big contract, and you don't pay that kind of money to play ten minutes a game in the playoffs, backing up Jokic. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. So I don't necessarily read too much into that. But you like Hampton as an, a, another Tim Connolly talent play, right? Yeah, he started the year top five on our board. He just people haven't seen him in over a year. Um, he's a ways away physically. He's a ways away maturity wise. He's a ways away toughness wise, but. This guy is a talent. He gets anywhere he wants in the court. 
he's he's kind of I think two or three years down the road he could be like a Spencer Dinwiddie type for them, you know. And um, they traded a lottery protected future first rounder from, so obviously they they valued him quite a bit. Um, you know, you could see on the broadcast that he was not happy to drop to twenty four. <laughs> There were some unhappy campers in that living room, but uh, I like RJ Hampton's talent. And I feel like if you would have flipped him with Killian Hayes and put him in a situation where winning doesn't matter and, you know, just here's the ball, go do whatever you want. And I think he would have been a top 10 pick. And so um, good for, for Denver to, to get that kind of talent at, at 24. That's what they do. They've done it year after year. What do you think of Boston's draft, Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard? And then, you know, in an outcome, it's hard not to come out of this from Boston's perspective, unless you love those players and you can tell me more about them, feeling a little disappointed because they couldn't trade up and they couldn't use all their picks because they have so many guys already rostered. So they end up trading 30 for two seconds, I think, to Memphis. And Memphis takes Desmond Bain, who is the Internet's favorite player in the whole draft. So Memphis immediately wins the draft. It's got to hurt a little bit. Now, maybe one thing I'll say about Danny Ainge, he's not afraid to have contrarian opinions and go and go out of the box and go against conventional wisdom. He may think Desmond Baines like totally overrated. Doesn't matter to him that Desmond Baines there at 30. It's just got to hurt a little bit to trade that pick away and not be able to move up. But, you know, they did come away with Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. So tell me about them and what you think of Boston's draft. Well, it just shows you it's a microcosm of how the draft overall went, you know, like no picks traded in the top 12. Um, and then there just wasn't that much of a market for that 14th pick. I mean, I think they were dying to get off it, but they just couldn't find the right trade. And what they were hoping would happen was somebody would slide to 14 that another team had eighth or ninth on their board and they would, you know, put a 2021 first rounder and, and go get it. But that just, that just didn't end up materializing. And so I like Peyton Pritchard, you know, I mean, I think he's, um, he's tough. He can shoot. I mean, he's, he's ready to play right away. He's a Danny Ainge type player. And then, you know, Nismith, uh, Nismith is one of the best shooters in the draft. So, I mean, I think it, it makes sense what, what they did there, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of balls up in the air. You kept hearing about, you know, all these guys that are on their roster that are in different trade conversations. And, you know, I don't want, you know, the aggregators to go crazy here, but there was a lot of talk about things that they were up to the week or two before the draft. And it, and none of it happened. In the and end. I will have to say there always is with every team. I think Boston is just, they're kind of like what Houston was when Daryl was there. They make a lot of calls. They make a lot of calls. They explore what an offer is is like this maddening game of semantics in the NBA. Like, was it actually offered? Was it talked about? Was it offered? Was it not talked about? What did they talk about? Was it offered? Was it on paper? Was it not on paper? Was it in an email? Was it on an answering machine? It's like, it. so it, it's hard to know what's real, but they make a lot of calls because they're sort of, they're curious and exploratory and aggressive. And so all this stuff comes out and like stuff comes out as having been quote unquote offered that even you call the team that they quote unquote offered it to, or and this is not just for Boston, this is for lots of teams. And they're like, yeah, I'm not really sure it was an offer. Like we were just kind of talking. Like it's not like it's just having conversations. And so, um, you know, there were like there was a lot of buzz about the Bulls trading up. I don't really think that that was ever. I, I don't really think that there was ever much traction there. I'm not really sure it was real, to be honest with you. But um, they they clearly targeted their guy at number four. We could have both spent the entire week of the draft just tweeting out rumors hour after hour, getting thousands of likes and retweets because there was so much stuff, you know, being thrown against the wall. 
but nothing happens in the end. And so you just have to be really careful with all these rumors. Well, and the thing that, and, and also reconstructing failed, Bo- uh, not failed, reconstructing unconsummated Boston trades has become like my least favorite part of the job over the last five years. It's like, what, who offered what, when, what, what was our, but it's just like enough. I can't do it anymore. Like the Drew Holiday thing. I'm like, I'm out, I'm out. I don't even want to know. I don't care. It didn't happen. And I'm not, I'm not poking fun at the Celtics because frankly, like I, I think they have been pretty aggressive. Like everyone makes fun of Danny for not making trades. Danny offered four first round picks to try and draft Justice Winslow. He's come close on some trades, not on others. And, and frankly, his reticence, you know, like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are really freaking good. I don't. I think the jury is still out on on whether holding on to them was that is as ridiculous as people made it sound at the time. Um, it's just it's just frustrating uh, to reconstruct unconsummated trades. Tell me, please, please, because I don't know anything about him, about the international man of mystery. That everybody knew Oklahoma City was picking at 17 the second that Oklahoma City got the 17th pick. Alexei Pokushevsky, is that right? You got it. Nailed it. Someone described him as a seven-foot guard. Yeah, that's accurate. I mean, he can dribble. He can. I'm pass, in. I don't need shoot. to know any. I don't even. Know, I don't need to know anymore. He averages like I'm two blocks in. and two steals and a bunch of rebounds. And he, like, theoretically, he's the greatest player of all time. You know, like if he, he honestly, like. His upside is top five in this draft, but you know there's so many question marks about him. How is his frame going to fill out? Is he going to stay healthy? He missed a lot of time this year with different injuries. You know he's got a body type that may or may not hold up. All these NBA teams are asking his brother. You know he quit when he was 20, and you know like he's got one leg longer than the other. And there he he it was the, one of the great stories of this draft, Alexei Pokashevsky. And everybody knew Oklahoma City wanted him. And they kept telling all these, you know, they then they started messing with people and saying, well, we'll send the medical and we're not going to send the medical. And then they started begging people, please don't draft him. And they said, we're going to draft him. And that's why they had to move up to 17. And they're bringing him over right away. And they're bringing Teo Maladon over right away. And um, it's going to be awesome. You know, like Oklahoma City Blue, that's going to be must-watch TV. Let's get that on ESPN. They're bringing them over right away? They have to. That was the deal. You know, I mean, a lot of teams like them, but they're like, he's he's 18 years old and he's all a right, beat pole and he's three years away. From- get them all out. Get Gallinari <laughs> out. Get Adams out. Who else is there still? Get them all out. Bring this guy up. I want to see him. Trade all the veterans. Keep going. Keep trading everybody. Get Bring Pokashevsky up. I want to see the guy play. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is what you can do when you have... 17 first round picks in the next seven drafts or six drafts or whatever it is, take a flyer. I mean, you if it know, doesn't work. Who cares? You know, it's just another failed first round pick. Half of these guys don't pan out anyway. So you may as well just take a swing. This is what Toronto did with Bruno Caboclo and it didn't work. And, you know, they reached a little bit, but like, you know, sometimes you reach and you don't, you don't hit. And sometimes you, you, you reach and you hit. And if you have the infrastructure that gives you the luxury of doing that, um, I don't. I don't think it's such a bad thing. Well, now you have me very excited. This is this is really exciting. Uh, let's see if there's any other team I wanted to hit you on before we go. A Coro at five. Sell me on that. Yeah, I mean, I, he's a freak athlete. I love the Coro. I m- remember I came on the podcast. I said Lamelo one, Onyeka two, Okoro three. So 
people were like, he doesn't have a floor. We're not exactly sure where he's going to go. Does he get to 11? And then Cleveland said, no, we're going to take him at five. You know, and, and I actually really, I love this pick because they were such a bad team defensively last year. And they draft this guy that can guard point guards. He can guard power forwards. He can guard wings. He's got a great body. He's a terrific athlete. He's a winner. He just does all the little things. And I think he has a lot of upside as a ball handler, as a passer. You know, any guy that you love, you say he's going to end up being a good shooter in time. We'll see. I mean, he was not a good shooter last year. And that's why he, you know, wasn't this consensus top five guy. But uh, I love Isaac Okoro. And I think, you know, I think it's a great pick for Cleveland. Well, um, now we look ahead to free agency, which begins. Teams can begin negotiating tomorrow at, at 6 p.m. It will be interesting to see um, if the Bucks and the Kings and Bogdan Bogdanovich's people can resuscitate uh, that sign and trade. Gordon Hayward has his player option deadline in six hours and change, five hours and change, rather. Um, that's going to be a very interesting thing and will set us up for what promises to be. You know, I don't know how wild it'll be. I mean, this free agency class is not amazing, and Detroit, I think, is telegraph that they're not going to be an aggressive cap space team. They don't even have all that much cap space left once you uh, count Christian Woods cap hold and some other stuff. Um, but, you know, you, you just never know with the NBA. You never know. You can't go to sleep. Jonathan Gavoni, I hope you can go to sleep for a little while. Thank you for your help on the draft. Congratulations on a successful mock draft. Uh, pray to the draft gods that that can continue next season. And, uh, one final fingers crossed, toes crossed for, for Clay Thompson because this this just can't be. So, Jonathan, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach.